Well, okay, hello. This is uh, Mary Ellen LaBianca with the Historical Commission. Uh, and we have a big group today. Let's see who's here. Oh, Sandy Barry with the Historical Commission and the Cemetery Committee. Bob Whitmarsh, co-chair of the Gloucester Historical Commission. Uh, Bill Remsen, Historical Commission. Jude Seminar, Historical Commission. Wonderful. And we have a really interesting topic today. Uh, we're going to talk about shipwrecks. And one of the things I found out about the shipwrecks that are off our coast is that there are only four that are on the National Register. These are national landmarks. Uh, one is the Frank Palma and Louis B. Crary sank in 1875, is it? Um, and then there's the Joffrey sank in 1900. It was an, an Eastern Rig dragger. These are mostly in the Stellwagen uh, area. The La Martine sank in 1899, and that was a granite, a stone sloop that sank in Stellwagen. And the Portland sank in 1875. Um, I think those, uh, I may be wrong on those dates, but anyway, I was struck by the fact that those four ships had been made into uh, national landmarks. Um, but there are a lot of others that are off the coast, uh, off Gloucester and Rockport and uh, Manchester. And uh, I think uh, Jude and Sandy have done a lot of research on this topic. And I think we'll go to you, Jude. What are you going to tell us about the, <laughs> the shipwrecks of uh, I have an interesting, interesting story about the, now that you mentioned the Joffrey, that um, is on the... The register. It was a, a dragger. You said. Mm -hmm. I had some notes about it. So the Joffrey. I found a, a Boston Herald article from 1939 about the fishing vessel Joffrey. Uh, they were 70 miles east northeast of Eastern Point, dragging in 80 fathoms of water, and it dragged up um, in the nets. They had a cargo of leather. They had a flintlock musket with initials on the stock. Um, the ramrod for that musket, pieces of the deck house of some unknown vessel, part of a brick chimney, um, shoe soles with wooden pegs, pint and quart earthenware jugs, wooden clamp kedge anchors, and a bushel of human bones, mostly knees, leg bones, spine, vertebrae and stuff. And the captain of the Joffrey saved some of the items and brought them back, and the, I guess the news and stuff, the state police and everyone met them at... Um, they never found out what that vessel was? Nope. Uh, it was probably some kind of cargo vessel mm -hmm. that was carrying leather. I guess there was a lot of like waterlogged leather that once it started to dry, just all dissolved, all came apart. Wow. I gather that these uh, shipwreck sites that are landmarks are uh, attract a lot of divers in the summertime that go out to uh, see them. Is, is that the case? Or are those sites protected? I think those sites, I think the Stellwagen sites are protected. Protected, um, right. I don't even know that the Portland location was ever released to the public. Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading um, an Edward Rose Snow book where he was um, talking about like directions to find like bearings. He had bearings off of Provincetown for the Portland. Obviously wasn't in the right location because mm -hmm. it's closer to Cape Ann. Um, mm -hmm where I think, I'm pretty sure the last sighting was as it was being blown around in the Portland Gale. It was being blown around somewhere off Thatches Island and drifted out to sea. I think the speculation is that it drifted out to sea into the Stellwagen Bank area mm -hmm. and went down. I know bodies washed ashore as far away as Cape Cod. I want to say the, the, the quarterboard when the nameplate has came ashore down in Cape Cod somewhere. I think it's, I've seen a picture of it on someone's house. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't, I don't know that much else. It's, it's funny, I've been trying to track down this um, shipwreck with Gloucester schooner that was called the White Wings, which my guess is that it's a, someone hoaxed, someone pranked him. They found a letter in a bamboo tube washed ashore mm -hmm. saying that uh, the Gloucester schooner White Wings was sinking, they were abandoning ship on a raft, and it gave some names, and I, I haven't been able to find about whether those people, I've not found anything in the records, whether they were real or a vessel called the White Wings. Oh, how interesting. So it might have been, been someone's kind of gruesome hoax. 
Well, that's not unknown. A lot of fields have hoaxes. I, I know uh, from archaeology, it, it crops up all the time where somebody has planted an artifact in a site to be discovered, and uh, it's unfortunate, but I guess those things happen. But we do have a lot of uh, shipwrecks w that uh, are open to the divers um, that are accessible, I guess. I think the most common one's the Chester Poling, which is right off of like Easton Point. I think it sank in the 70s. Um, Chester Poling, P-O-L? Poling, P-O-L-I-N-G. Ah. Um, it broke apart when it, it, it was in a, a storm. I think it was 1977. Mm -hmm. It was a coastal tanker. It was coming up and started to take on water and sink. And that's, I think, is like the most popular dive spot. I'm not a diver, but I think it's the most popular dive spot. I see. Like wreck dive in Gloucester, because right? you can get like a 90-foot dive, and I think the other section's in like 180 or 200 I feet see. of water. I, I have a, a question, just a general question. I mean, we've had, obviously, people have been sailing in these waters around Gloucester for hundreds and hundreds of years, and we know that there have been countless shipwrecks. Is there any um, overall uh, source to to list all these shipwrecks? And, you know, is there a publication that 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 describes them? So, in the '60s, uh, I think he was a Rockport High School student. Paul Sherman, as a hobby, started acquiring shipwreck information and it kept things on. I think they're on index cards, and the Massachusetts Board of Underwater Archaeology has those files. Um, I, they're not, to my knowledge, open to the public, um, available to the public. I mean, there are places you can look for them. I mean, in my research, I have hundreds of, I just scoured news records, diaries, um, letters, stuff like that, and just made notes. I mean, I have a, I have a, you know, half of a paper crate of scraps of paper that have shipwreck stuff on them. Um, <laughs> But I don't think there's any kind of official, like, public database. It's something that if I have, you know, eventually more yeah, time, I'd like to pack all that stuff together. If, if you go online, there is a, a, a list of shipwrecks of Massachusetts, and there are maybe 10 or 12 uh, ships that were wrecked off of Cape Ann, either off Rockport, Gloucester, or Manchester. Um, but well, most of them in the 1900s, there are only a couple listed that are earlier. So um, it, it seems like it's a, uh, you know, it's not a, a coherent record. You have to um, look around and poke around to find things here and there to put together. What was the uh, website for that? Uh, it's called Shipwrecks of Massachusetts. I mean, okay. I just did a keyword search. Good right, old Google right. brought me to that. Uh, well, I did one similar to that, and um, it's called wreckhunter.net. Ah, wreckhunter.net, yeah, okay. And, and that comes up with Shipwrecks of Massachusetts, which could be... Similar to the one you have. And, and the archives also has a list right on our okay. city site. Oh, and, good. you know, I think uh, Captain Ray Bates, yes. who is one of your fan, um, did a wonderful presentation and has written at least two books that I know of. Shameless uh, plug, Cape Ann. <laughs> shipwrecks of Cape Ann is a great book. Yeah. yeah. And did, I think Cape he Ann, looked yeah. at, you know, when a lot of times when you look for this kind of material, you look through old family histories. And I'll be looking at them on cemetery stones, and I'll I'll see wrecked off Braces Cove, mm -hmm. and you know, in a winter storm, and return to dust. You know, um, you see them on tombstones. You see them in family histories. You see them in uh, 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 Babson's history of um, you know Gloucester, and you nobody's ever really pulled it together because you'll get lists. But the stories behind those mm -hmm. lists are just incredible. Or even names. I mean, yeah. going through like now within the digital age that you can find newspapers from vast locations that have nothing to do with that. You know, they may have published the story in it and they kept the names were around here. You know, a local paper or something didn't have the names. I had four or five wrecks that I went through and I'd find names everywhere I looked and like published sources were, you know, nine victims of the Rebecca Ann, let's say, and never gave any names. You know, maybe one or two of people that have, I think those are the gravestone. You know. That's right. You know what's interesting about um, a lot of these wrecks, well, I find it interesting, is they'll list more the contents of the cargo than the passengers mm -hmm. on board. And a lot of times they would write unknown cabin boy, uh, un, you know, 
but there'd be sumac. I don't know what sumac would be used for. Rags, horses, molasses, different just different items that were so important to bring in yeah. from other areas. It suggests what's important, doesn't yeah. it? And sumac was is an all-purpose important plant. It has medicinal uses. Plus, every part of that plant is edible. It's a survival plant. I heard that recently yeah. about sumac. Yeah. One of the um, the thing you have to remember is that like the schooner in the 18th and 19th centuries were it was like the tractor trailer of that everything went by ship any mm-hmm. product was it was it was seaborne mm-hmm. and just that looking at like if anyone sits down and just goes into like a, a newspaper and you look at the old newspapers and they have you know shipping news main port big ports Philadelphia Boston New York Gloss's newspapers they had shipping news ships that arrived ships that departed mm-hmm. ships that were lost and the only names you really come across, unless it was, you know, a fairly tragic incident, um, it was like a, the, the routine everyday shipwrecks were um, just the master's name and the cargo, where right. it was coming from, where where it was going. So you get a lot of information, like just the sheer volume of ships that wrecked. It's a it's a lot more nature bound than driving a tractor trailer truck. It's like right. the, you're, you're at the, the will of nature when you're out there. Oh, and there's so many more shipwrecks than we know, than we think. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible. I uh, The very first ship's manifest that I ever found in my research was from 1623, from New England, from Cape Ann. And it, the, uh, the, the cargo consisted of sassafras, which was believed to be a cure for syphilis, uh, and um, tar, pine tar. And that was the primary <laughs> cargo on that ship. I don't know if it sank or not, but I thought that was interesting. A lot of the other things you have to remember too is that they didn't just like when a ship wrecked and you didn't they didn't just leave it there. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the wrecks I researched were like coastal. They I didn't really do much with sinkings. It was more of ships that came ashore. Um, but they, they didn't just leave it there. They either refloated it, which a lot of, 90% of the time, I think 80% of the time, maybe they were able to refloat something that came ashore on a beach, let's say, unless it bilged or, you know, it broke its keel. Um, there was one, I can't remember the name, I think it was the Julian Norton that came ashore at like Cressy's Beach. They ended up blowing it up because it's a hazard to navigation. So a lot of times, like just looking at, um, you know, a wooden ship when it sink, it breaks up. It comes apart. The wood rots. Um, if it was a hazard to navigation, it could have been blown up. Um, it's rare to have much more than like ribs and ballast. A lot of ships didn't have iron fittings. Um, small, older vessels, local kind of like coastal vessels, would have you know wooden construction. They you know, and if they came ashore, they were stripped of anything that could be reused and left to the the weather. So uh, what are some of the stories? Uh, you mentioned the Rebecca Ann, and uh, what, what were some others? There was something, what was it, the, uh, the industry? Oh, and the-, the industry. You know, um, one thing on um, the industry, and just a lot of these wrecks, to us they just seem like bone-chilling and just horrible situations. But it was actually safer to travel by sea than it was by land. There were just so many horrible things that could happen to you by land. Really? Number one, Indians. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, no, just um, uh, people robbing you along the way. Uh, No real roads and getting lost, taking too long, getting too cold, getting too exposed, limited amounts of food. And believe it or not, it was safer and faster to go by um, sea. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the industry, the reason why I like the industry is um, Captain Miles Barnes is is buried in First Parish Burial Ground. And um, we don't have too many stones that we can find from the sea captains that were lost at sea. I, I don't know why that is, because I would love to find the Persia and some of the other ones. Um, but in terms of uh, the industry, which wrecked in 1796 off of uh, Good Harbor Beach, which is, they crashed into Salt Island. All right, it was January. Can you picture this? Do you know how cold that water is in the summer? Imagine your ship wrecking um, in January off the coast of Gloucester, and it wasn't full of uh, umbrellas and people sunbathing. It was a very remote area. Um, they All of those um, 
all the people on that particular ship died. And they were, Captain Miles Barnes was, like I said, buried at First Parish. But near him in the north, it's like the northwest corner of First Parish Burial Ground, there's a lot of little field stones. And four of the sailors, or three of the sailors, were also buried up there. And we're not allowed to move any of those little stones that are in the ground because these would be cabin boys, sailors, people who had no money, came from probably all parts of the world, um, nobody really knew who they were, and you just there's just this rule in the cemeteries, the old historic ones, not to move those little stones because they're probably a person buried under there. Mm. Wow! And a thing like Sandy said that you know, Good Harbor Beach, that stretch of shoreline was remote. I mean, I don't 1796, and that ship hit. I think it hit like in the middle, sometime after eight o'clock. I think is what the log, the last log entry was At eight night. o'clock. At yeah. night, yeah. 8 p.m. In, in the dark, in, in the a dark, storm. In a January. snowstorm. Um, it had no real cargo. The records that I have said it was in ballast, so it was coming back probably to take something on. But I'm sure there were letters. They found um, one trunk with letters and one trunk with gold coins in it that washed ashore. Um, the last entry in the log was at 8 o'clock. Um, and, I mean, when... The next morning at sunrise, maybe someone was out there and saw it, but it could have been a day or two until they discovered um, whether there was any, you know, at that point in that condition after being wet in the middle of January, there obviously were not going to be any survivors. Um, If a ship came ashore and let's say in the harbor during the day, I mean, the chance of surviving was probably like galactically better than Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night on the remotest stretch of the coastline. Um, But yeah, after, aside from the captain, there was 10 other crewmen. They they listed, they had the crew, the first mate, second mate, a crew of like six, and then the ship's cook and the cabin boy were aboard there. Um, are there any other uh, shipwrecks in the cemeteries? Um, the Rebecca. The Rebecca. The Rebecca Ann, which was what eighteen twenty three. Yeah. That was in that was in Gloucester Harbor. That was inside the harbor. Um, that was the one who's I don't remember his name. Maddox, John John uh, Maddox. Uh, Dix. Dix was. The Dix survived. Yeah, a guy named he, Elijah Dix. He swam to shore. Is yeah. the Hesperus the the wreck of the Hesperus? Um, Henry. Wadsworth yeah. Longfellow, isn't that yeah. kind of modeled after that? That was the favorite. Hit the same place, though. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what, uh, wait, let me get this straight. Uh, the Rebecca no was the model for the Wreck of the Hesperus? No, there was a ship, the favorite, uh, in eighteen during the hurricanes, the triple hurricanes in 1839. That, that was, was called the, the ca- weren't those the cataclysmic storms yep. that were written about? Oh, yep. ca- that's, that? I see reference to the cataclysmic storms. 1938. 1938. 1938. No, 1839. Three hurricanes, three storms, like gales, three severe snowstorms hit the coast like beginning of December or middle of December, end of December, and then beginning of January. Mm. Like it was, you know, triple. It was essentially like one big massive storm and devastated the coast, absolutely devastated the coast. The Hesperus was in Boston. I think it was driven ashore like Long Wharf. I think it was a brig the brig favorite hit normanswell rock and um i guess the story goes longfellow couldn't sleep and had read about it and started writing the poem and he never actually saw normanswell he but came he, to visit years but later he but called the in his poem he called the, the ship the hesperus but it wasn't poetic. the hesperus yeah. it was the favorite and i don't yeah. think there was a maiden fair tied to the lash i think it was a <laughs> middle-aged woman came ashore tied to the mast <laughs> oh this is wonderful this is, sally this is hilton. Yep, Mrs. Poetic sally hilton license <laughs> yeah so therefore we have hesperus avenue and yes yeah. we have hesperus and she avenue. was tied to the mask yeah. as right. i or, yeah yes. sorry yeah. as i recall the original story you know the, yes but you know some people don't uh, don't think that it's all fiction because it because of the poetry but there really was a wreck on norman's well, woe where someone and, came ashore tied to a mask tied, come, yeah that's right yes <laughs> Yeah. So, we a little bit a of diner. history in, mixed in with uh, art. I also used to have a diner that was called the Hesperus Diner. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
And some of those people are buried in... Uh... Yeah, um, you know, the, the story about the Rebecca is that they think there's a, most of those bodies of the sailors are buried in the northwest location. There's something about the northwest or the northeast um, location in most cemeteries where it was like unknown plots, they would call uh. it. Not unknown, but like they weren't reserved like you do today. Um, they would just kind of leave it open for different things. And supposedly, and we do see this up there, there's a lot of rocks in a scattered area up there. And it was kind of not taboo-ish, but a family wouldn't want to buy a plot in that area. Not that it was like a pauper's area necessarily, but it wasn't like the prime real estate of the cemetery, like near the entrance. I would love to do some ground penetrating radar up there just oh, to see if we can get 11. Yeah. I mean, there were 11 or Well, isn't it traditionally against seven. the against the that the wall over it's up by like the railroad tracks. Yes. Isn't that the local tradition that that's where they were buried? Right. You had a map. You had a I, map. I don't know where it is. I can't find it. It's in my pile somewhere. I do have it. But I think it's, it's fisherman's graves, right? Yeah, I think it's northeast. Northeast, yeah. And there's like these little dotted lines, right, on the map. I think I've shown it to some mm-hmm. of you, um, especially you. And it'll say sailors, like just sailors. Just sailors, yeah. And there's seven of them from the Rebecca in the cemetery. Yeah. I just don't know where. And uh, there's another one, the Persia. Is it the Persia that is that also has burials there? Not there, but I no. think it's I think in it's the, the Unitarian. Unitarian Church. But the only four identified people in the Persia was sent back to either Beverly or Salem, their bodies. Um, but the other, I don't know, what was there, like six? There's yeah. five or six that didn't. Um, could be more than that. Could be like seven or eight that weren't identified. Um that I, we think are in the Unitarian, the Unitarian. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really, they like the, the newspaper articles say like buried from, um, you know, buried from the Unitarian church or buried from uh, Reverend Fuller's parish, mm-hmm. some, something along those lines. It's mm-hmm. not, they don't say, you know, oh, they're buried up in first parish, burial yeah. ground number, you know. <laughs> so it, it, when you have a church, when you have a, a like that church kind of dynamic mm-hmm. like Gloucester had with the switch to Unitarianism and, and yeah. or universalism and all that. It's like which, which graveyard. But the thing um, about the, um, the, what was it? The cataclysmic storm mm-hmm. of 1839. Um, there was a big to do about carrying all those bodies up to um, first parish burial ground. They called it the old bridge street. Um, uh, burial ground at the time, um, but uh, they they made quite a possession. A profesh- you know, the town all came out and would watch them bring the bodies up there because it really shook up the community to have that many mm-hmm. shipwrecks. I mean, they came to that harbor for safety, and typically, you know, Gloucester Harbor was a safe place for them to. Um, um, See, well, the, the Rebecca Ann home. was putting into Gloucester Harbor because she had a leak and it was snowing. She mm-hmm. was on her way to Puerto Rico, I think, and had come out come out of Boston and was sprung a leak. And you know, safest place to go is. But those harbor, our harbor was open, wasn't it? We didn't have the dog bar breakwater. No. Until... Oh, but we had Five Pound Island, didn't they? Oh. Come all the way mm-hmm. down in towards Five um, Pound. They had. Um, even like it's it's still sheltered. It opens like southwesterly. I see. So I mean, a northeast storm. Yeah. Um, you know, when, uh, with a northeast wind, it's still sheltered. Kind of, it's still sort of. Right. Sheltered. Um, but yeah, you still get a roll. It was still. I yeah. saw. I was just looking at a picture of um, Stacy Boulevard in like 1900 before they had moved all those houses and. <laughs> there's a sea coming in. It's before the breakwater, and there's a, a big sea good coming sized in, yeah. chop coming in. <laughs> Um, <laughs> breaking up in people's backyards. <laughs> well, when you think of it, I mean, if you if you have taken a good look at a map of our of our coast, there are a lot of uh, offshore islands, and if you're under sail, I remember reading um, uh, Richard Mather's diary of coming to Ipswich in 1620. Three or twenty-four, something like that, and he's he's writing uh, how they ended up having to go uh, back to um, 
the islands off of New Hampshire there, the Shoal, Isle, Shoals, of Shoals. Isle of Shoals, to shelter, to wait out a storm before risking going down to the around the Cape because of all the offshore islands that you could get shipwrecked on. Of course, we know about the famous Thatcher Island shipwreck, uh, but there are also shipwrecks on all the other islands uh, and uh, offshore places down in Manchester also. And... Um, Mather was uh, carrying on about how there's something about the wind where if you're under sail, you can be blown into the rocks on the shore if the wind isn't exactly right. And sometimes they had to wait for days until they could be sure of being able to sail by on a tack without have being blown that into the rocks. That happened to the Thatcher's um, ship. Yeah, yep, yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, I think in the age of sail... I think that that's one reason why it was so important to have the cut, because the cut would um, allow shipping to not have to go around the Cape. They could go right from uh, Ipswich Bay to Massachusetts Bay through the uh, Anasquam River, and they would avoid all the hazards all along the coast there that were already littered with shipwrecks during the early 1600s. One of the most um, dangerous places uh, back years ago was Braces Cove, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, which is um, at the end of uh, Farrington Avenue. Right, and East Gloucester. Gloucester. Yeah. In East Gloucester, uh, sort of like near Eastern Point. Yep. And um, the the um, ships would come in thinking they were coming into the harbor, and it was uh-huh. just camouflaged, and they think, they thought they were coming into a safe place, and they just ran around on the rocks. Quite a number of Brace ships. Brace rocks, right. So the yeah. Persia went down. The Persia went down there. Braces yeah. Cove, like Grapevine Cove area. Wow. Um, there's also the, I, I don't rem, I don't recall offhand the particulars of it, but it's the, um, the Stakesby. It was a British transport ship um, during the Revolution. I want to say it was being chased by a privateer, or it was captured by a privateer and was being brought back into Gloucester, and it went aground in Braces Cove, and um, the militia seized it and took a bunch of stuff off of it and then burned it. Um, I think it went off, I think it was BMO Ledge, it ran on BMO Ledge, which mm, is the- BMO Ledge is yeah. a, a renowned for shipwrecks, yeah. 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 But the, I mean, the coast is littered with shipwrecks. There, there must be hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of shipwrecks. Hundreds of them, yeah. Easily. And, and yeah. most of which have never been discovered or if they've been discovered, they've been discovered by private divers who are keeping it quiet. Uh, I would Although, admit, I would imagine many of them are in water that's too deep to dive or have been smashed up into little tiny bits yeah. by by the wave action. I mean, that's that's the other thing. There was, um, you know, there was, I think they brought the sails of, uh, it was a Dutch warship in the 1780s, the Earth Prince, Earth Prince, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but um, the captain and some of his officers went to, it was leaky, it was, you know, worm-eaten and leaky crossing the Atlantic. And some of the, the captain and some of the officers went to try to, like, scout ahead. And when they left, it sank. Oh, my goodness. And it took, you know, everybody on board with it. Um, and they were picked up by a Gloucester-bound vessel and brought into the Gloucester and, you know, dispersed. They had to give an account of, you know, why what they, happened. What happened. Yeah. And, it, you know, they made it... it, it sounds like you know as they sailed away they were still in in sight of the vessel and it just went on its way down um in 1898 there was a a storm that was called the portland gale yep oh the portland gale uh, that storm killed 400 people and sank 150 boats ships, including the portland 400 including the portland and um it's probably, probably where they got its name, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sank off of Cape Ann, off of Gloucester, actually. And um, 192 passengers and crew were lost in, in that vessel alone. And the Portland, wow. Right. I think, too, in the age of steam with passenger shipping, mm-hmm. you saw death tolls right. skyrocket. I mean, if you look at a ship like the um, the industry, it was a full-rigged ship. It's a three-masted, it's like the biggest mm-hmm. of the sailing vessels and it was handled by a crew of a captain two officers and a crew of six or seven mm. um 
that's not like you, you don't like these death tolls and then you see a, a, a steamship with 192 people was that like Thanksgiving weekend it was it was um, <clears throat> November 26th in 1898. 120 years ago. Wow. Yeah. There was a lot of um, lives lost in, right. in the late 1800s and yes. early 1900s. Yeah. There's a, um, on the city's website, for anyone that's interested, is the Lost at Sea and Other Drownings Register mm-hmm. of anyone that was aboard a Gloucester vessel that was lost somewhere. They're or listed. Mm-hmm. Drowned in the Gloucester area mm-hmm. from, you know, everything from uh, accidents, shipwrecks, suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, I don't know when they started doing that, but they started listing anyone that drowned. Mm-hmm. It, this sounds like a good project for uh, a very uh, energetic graduate student to, uh, <laughs> to create an interactive database of all these shipwrecks and, and, and people and then to fi- figure out where it all is. Good idea. But, but of course, the, the one risk with archaeological sites, which is what these would be, is that the, uh, you don't want them to get exploited by uh, for, uh, fortune hunters who will go right. dig, up, dig them up, uh, even if they're underwater. So, but the historical information would be very useful to, to codify and put it in a way, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a format that could be easily looked at by everybody. If you um, go to the Cape Ann Dive Shop where Shaw's is over near Wolf Hill, mm-hmm. they do have a map of where all the... They're closed, I think. I have the map. <laughs> oh, well, the, the dive shop is closed. Is that, yeah, I Captain, do. is that um, Paul Sherman's map? It might be, um, but I have the map. I got it because I was like, I was just amazed at how many there were, mm. and they were all listed. But I can't imagine divers going to... Uh, a wooden boat that's deteriorated off the coast um, that probably had uh, pegs, wooden pegs that has no metal even left to it. You know, they tend to probably go more for the 1900s where there was a little bit of steel and some interesting things. You mean to salvage or to scavenge? Just to, there's marine growth on them too. They become nice little spots for the fish. and Artificial reefs. Yeah, so. (laughs) Well, the the whole concept of salvage is an interesting one too because Mm -hmm. There, there was legitimate legal salvage, and then there was the sort of "look what I found" yeah. <laughs> kind of salvage. <laughs> the um, and this was obviously going on from the very beginning of time, and and I'm sure there's some fantastic stories about that. I um, recently learned that over in in Anisquam, the uh, the people doing the restoration of the Harridan House, which dates to the late 1600s, as they were working on the building, they found a, a a large timber that had been incorporated into the wall as a structural element, as a post. But when you looked at it very carefully, you realized it was actually formerly the keel of a wooden boat. <laughs> I feel bad because um, my pool house out back, we didn't, we, you know, bought the house and the neighbor came over next door and said, you know, that uh, pool house you have was made out of old timbers from an old wreck that they salvaged. And never occurred to me back yeah. then to say, which wreck? Yeah. There's a picture of, <laughs> you know, at the Cape Ann Museum, there's a, they have a, a binder of photos. I think, I want to say it's Martha Hale Harvey, mm-hmm. who's the photographer from yeah, the turn from of the Anna's century. Yep. There's one called the Wood Gatherer, and it's this, um, it's this um, older, older gentleman. He kind of looks, you know, little bit seaworn carrying a big curved piece of timber um and i i got it and it was it's over on the they, they said coffins beach and then i was researching that wreck that came up about four years ago and was digging through old photos and stuff and and it's called the wood gatherer at they said barn rocks beach which are the rocks off between like wingashik and coffins beach and then you know, would gather at Coffin's Beach, so obviously st- struck out. So I zoomed it in, and you can see several shipwrecks in the back mm-hmm. in various states of decay. And it, yeah. you know, looks like he was going and cutting pieces of um, the, the shipwreck up for firewood, right? Or to to repurpose to something else. There's some there's some wonderful fo- historic photographs in the Anasquam. Uh, that the Anasquam Historical Society has that's in that old firehouse there on Leonard Street or Walnut Street in Anasquam. And uh, the shipwrecks include, for example, the Mexican, uh, 
which was a uh, which was from Bucksport, Maine, and it it's uh, up on the rock somewhere in Anasquam. So by the lighthouse. Is that where, yeah. where that was? So okay. I think it went up on the rocks near the lighthouse. Ah. Uh, Library they, of Congress has a good picture of it. Yeah, they're beautiful, beautiful Postcard photographs. And people were swarming it, trying yeah. to salvage uh, bits and pieces of it, spars and so on. Another one, would, I heard a story from Charles Nazarian who uh, told me, I may have gotten this wrong, but it's a neat story, that the Unitarian Church here in Gloucester was built with wood. That There was a, a ship full of um, timber, coming from I don't know where maybe Nova Scotia or someplace that ran aground and suddenly they had all these timbers mm-hmm. lying around and that's what they used to build the church to build the church <laughs> well, it's, if you, it's funny because if you read it, it's not funny it's kind of sad but if you read newspaper accounts like the day after a storm um, the listing of things that washed ashore without a vessel and you know, no bodies, but um, I read about things like, I think they're called shooks, they're like pieces of a, the, the components of a box, uh, barrel staves, uh, laths, limes, lemons, um, rags, you know, <laughs> and stuff that people, rags they chopped up and made paper. It's, it's you know, it was a commodity at the time. Sumac again, all sorts of stuff, just washing ashore after a storm, you know something sank. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a deck load washed off. Right. Um, some imperiled vessel. Well, that's like, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, shipwrecks involving the stone sloops that came out of Pitching Cove and uh, Lanesville and, and uh, Bayview. Um, they would be either overloaded or the, uh, the granite uh, blocks would shift, kind of like on a present-day cargo ship. If those uh, boxes aren't aligned just right, they... Um, they change the balance of the vessel and, and it goes over. And I think there are a lot of cases of those stone sloops quite close to the harbors. Right, and they would load those up so much. Right up there to would, the gunnels. Right up to the gunnels if you know freeboard. And it's like, That's hope right. there are no waves. There are some wonderful photographs where it, you can't believe that that ship is actually going to sail with only a few inches yeah. be- between the edge of the boat yeah, and the water. Yeah, what could go wrong? Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, granite, I guess granite is a very heavy commodity. Yeah. yeah. So you, you mentioned that you knew of, a, of an interesting shipwreck involving a plane. Is that oh, yeah. There's, so it's funny. There's a couple plane crashes. Plane crash, plane crash shipwrecks? <laughs> plane, is that a plane wreck? Plane wreck. Plane wreck. <laughs> um, one was a Coast Guard, which I think they salvaged. It was a Coast Guard seaplane that was taken off from Tempon Island back when there was a seaplane base on ah. Tempon Island to chase down the rum runners. Um, that's another interesting topic for mm. a podcast is the amount of rum running. The amount of smuggling that goes on in Gloucester? Oh, mm-hmm. no. Well, just the prohibition, the prohibition yeah, era really. was, you know, they were having like gunfights over on Atlantic <laughs> Street, you know, ch- trying to chase down the rum runners. They had, the Coast Guard was shooting it. Uh, vessels that were bringing in alcohol so they had this 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 base and they'd fly the seaplane for like surveillance and it took off and hit the mast of a dragger and tumbled into the ocean they picked up the pieces i think they got it and they repaired it um in 1949 a corsair fighter got lost in the fog he probably ran out of fuel and crashed somewhere off cape ann um a Dragger found wreckage about eight miles off Eastern Point. Um, this was in March 1949. They they dragged the wreckage up and from 180 feet of water, but it didn't it didn't mark the location. But it was like eight nautical miles southeast of Thatcher Island. Um, Lieutenant Commander Albert Foster in the Navy was piloting it out of Squantum Air Base. They found his body. Um, in October, hmm. they thought he was. You know, they assumed he was in the plane, and maybe it, after the the plane started to break apart, he drifted out. But a um, fishing vessel, the Saint John, found the body about the same distance from shore where the plane crashed. I don't know that this. I didn't see anything that the plane was ever recovered in its entirety, hmm. which would be an interesting find for some mm-hmm. some diver. 
How about um, ancient pirate and treasure ships? <laughs> I know the public's always interested in these these more dramatic stories. The only uh, two Cape Ann pirate stories I know are the squirrel. The squirrel, oh yeah. With, What's the story of the squirrel? The, <laughs> I forget his name. John Phillips was a pirate. Yeah. Captured the squirrel, which was a fishing vessel. It was one of the Harridans. It Andrew Harridan, um, Millard Fillmore, president's grandfather, was on board. Um, the the story the the story is the vessel wasn't finished. They were doing like some of the interior work as they were on their voyage, and the the Harridan and Fillmore retook the ship. They hatcheted the the pirates. They tossed one overboard and they cut the pirate Phillips head off. Sailed back in with uh, prisoners and the dead crew. The, the island where um where the railroad bridge comes off over by the heights where the railroad bridge crosses it used to be called Hangman's Island. I don't know that anyone was ever hanged there, but there was, you know, the, the local lore was that that's where one of the pirates, the dead pirates was gibbeted. Um, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't even want to know what that is. That's where they hang. I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I do know that uh, Philip's head was carried around town on a yep. spike to yep. everyone's imagination. And the spike was then put on one of the forts. But I don't know if it was stage fort or the fort on the other side of the harbor. The uh, but I do remember reading about that. And I think uh, it was... Uh, Andrew, um, the one in uh, down in Planter's Neck. Harridan. Is that is that Harridan yeah. really? Why a, am it I? It was a Harridan that was. Yeah. Um, the other pirate is Captain Quelch, who oh, Quelch. took over a he, you know, he said the captain's sick and he died, so we buried him at sea, and I took the boat. Um, the more likely story is he killed the captain, who also warned the ship owners of the kind of ratty crew he had Mm -hmm. um, went pirating and met up with another vessel I think it was called the Laramore Galley off of everything I've seen was Snake Island Snake Island Cape Ann Snake Island Cape Ann I had never been able to find it and I was looking at um, Captain Southack's Matt he did a he was a I think he was a pirate turned like chart naval cartographer and he had Milk Island used to be called Snake Island. Oh. And they were captured. Most of the crew were captured off of that. I think two of the crewmen that didn't make the ship were kind of hiding out in Eastern Point and turned themselves in. And then they were caught up on the Isle of Shoals. They Samuel Sewell sent um, his, I guess, naval militia to chase them down. And they arrested all of them and they hanged them all in Boston. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Those are the only two pirates. Those are the pirates. <laughs> Some of the money wasn't accounted for for all the treasure hunters out there. Mm. Might be on Milk Island. Well, I know that um, it, during the early 1800s, during the Napoleonic Wars, it was very treacherous for the merchant ships going in and out of Gloucester because they had to avoid both the English Navy and the French Navy. Uh, and they were always, um, the stories that come from that era are uh, trying to hide behind islands and sometimes getting shipwrecked on the islands that you're trying to hide behind in order to stay out of the way of the, of the warships of the French and the, and the English. And there's a wonderful journal um, by, um, oh, I'm getting a horrible time with names lately, but it's in Anasquam and it's uh, Saville. His name is Saville, which is a, an old uh, Gloucester name. And he has a, a, a log in which he writes he, a letter. He writes all his letters and keeps copies of the letters. And he would put the same letter or a copy of the same letter on two or three vessels to, in, with the idea that one of them was certain to be able to get back home that to Gloucester and that his wife would, would be yeah. able to find out how he was. He would be in Seville selling barley for his brother mm-hmm. or he would be in some other port and things would happen. He would end up getting quarantined because of some disease or he would be hiding out from the, from the Napoleonic um, war vessels or something like that and the letters would come back. So sometimes... 
the wife would receive two letters um, that were identical, simply because the two two of the three ships made it home instead of just one of three. This, um, speaking of letters, that's the industry is Abigail Adams. I think it was a letter to John. She was writing about um, mm-hmm. she hadn't heard from her son who was in England, and uh, you know she said there was the the wreck of the the ship industry in Gloucester with Captain Barnes and you know we may have had letters on board that are we're not going to hear from we don't know when we're going to hear from our son again it's another like collateral damage of 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 a wrecked ship yeah a wrecked ship has a huge impact on all the people involved not just the the victims but the owners of the vessel and the people who produced the material being transported um, the, the communications that may be on board and so on. So it, it is a bigger picture than one usually thinks of. From a research point of view, too, it's like the the big pitfall is like local. It's the double-edged sword of like local lore. Yeah. Um, it either is a great hot tip to go digging deeper into something, and mm-hmm. it could also be like just a complete, you know, Smoke and mirrors. There's the the wreck of the dolphin, which was one of the first um, privateer captures. It was, I think, it was a, I think it was a English, like it it was a British vessel that had cattle on. I think it was cattle and sheep. Mm -hmm. It was off of um, Thatcher Island, and the militia rode out and captured it. And they brought it in. And the story is they brought it in Anasquan. It's in the naval records that it was captured, and Mm -hmm. the, the sheep and the the cattle or whatever was sold oxen maybe something like that it was sold and then the it either burned at the wharf and was cut adrift or it somehow was set adrift from like one of the wharves over on wheeler point and sank in the anasquam in the channel oh and you know in the 60s i was reading uh uh maybe earlier than that a paper by a history teacher who i can't remember his name merchant maybe a Gloucester High School history teacher had written a paper of some like, you know, just local history tidbits. And he mentions mm-hmm. that, you know, you can still see the bones of this, this ship. Now, if you think about it, it was, it was probably empty, but still it's the first privateer capture in the, mm-hmm. the American revolution. And it, it's historically significant, mm-hmm. but there's no real, other than that, like I haven't been able, I've traced it back through like Joe Garland, some of Joe Garland's writing mm-hmm. to this paper and then never found anything beyond those naval record so it could have just been like a coal coal barge or a sand barge or something sank and people were saying oh yeah that's the dolphin yeah really you know it's one of those like it's been a dead end that's been a dead end for me which is frustrating well you have the instincts of a real historian no question about it (laughs) i think um the state archaeologist in the underwater archaeology department nowadays his name is vic mastone and he was working on the shipwreck on coffins beach that ended up being, I think, is it a tobacco boat or something? That's the that's the the that's the guess. That's the his intern was writing a uh, master's thesis. Uh-huh. Um, Leland Crawford was writing a master's thesis and was excavating the wreck, and it it was um, they believe it's a pre-revolutionary war, revolutionary war era tobacco boat which mm-hmm. is like the precursor to the, it's a local boat it's a local style precursor right. to the schooner um, probably built in Burnham shipyard for yeah, all it was we know probably a probably a Burnham's yeah probably a, a Burnham shipyard boat that was yeah. that was like the common little 40 foot right three man crew and there were two styles one had a pointed prow and one had a, a squared S- off the stern the square stern the dog squ- body and, and the then other the pinky the pinky the, so the evolution, it, it evolved from the, the a pinky's a little, it's a larger with a... But it had a pointed... Yeah, it had a bowsprit and it had that right. pink stern. Like if you look at the, oh. the Ardell as a pinky, ah. um, the Lewis H. story is a tobacco boat, okay. which is closer to what was probably on Coffin's Beach. Right. And they were so common, it was like, you know, basically like it car they were so common that people didn't record there's no it didn't it wasn't newsworthy right and another remote part of Gloucester is the West Gloucester beaches in the 17 yep very remote 1770s yeah. 80s and 90s I mean it was all farmland right um I have my suspicion of what it might be but mm. I'm not I'm not positive 
it's a, a real challenge uh, to do underwater archaeology with shipwrecks. Um, they often have to wait, and not not just for low tide, but for the you know the extreme low tides um, that happen only occasionally, or how often do they happen? I'm not sure, but um, to, in order to get out there to work. Well, that was the that was the first I I tagged along on on that, and that was kind of my entrance into shipwreck mm-hmm. research was that particular shipwreck um and i think it was it had to be at like a low like a minus 1.5 right. tide right and to get that in daylight in decent weather is not always yeah. easy and just digging like it, you, you dig down and it just mucks back up right. right i mean some of the stuff there was no metal fittings it wasn't like as shipwrecks go the most romantic thing in the world they were, the ballast was just like local broken stone there was coral in it which was surprising brain coral Hmm. Which is fascinating. So that meant it came from somewhere else or so had been in southern seas. My guess is that it was um, dumped and then picked up again at like repurposed at one of the shipyards. And I know that the, I think it was the Choate family in Essex mm-hmm. and Gloucester kind of back and forth. Josiah Choate's son, I think, is the captain of one of two boats that it could possibly be but Mm. that shipyard one of the ships he had one of the ships that family had made two west indian voyages Ah. before 1784 which is when i think this is what wrecked there um and there was two vessels actually and one of them was called a jigger which is apparently a tobacco boat that's fitted with a bowsprit that's not Mm. quite a pinky yet i don't it's not my Oh, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Is, it? it is. That's a whole special subject, is the ships themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, during the, uh, in 1675 and 1676, there are a whole bunch of Gloucester shipwrecks, uh, but they're not, um, they're not off of Gloucester. They're off of Bermuda and Barbados, where they were transporting uh, slaves and Native Americans after the uh, King Philip's War of 1675-1676. And there are Penacook Indians living on St. David's Island today, which is in the which is in Bermuda, um, who were on one of those in one of those shipwrecks from this area, from the coast of Massachusetts. I'm not sure exactly which port. Um, so I, I think shipwreck history goes all over the place. <laughs> Do you have any other special um, shipwrecks that you wanted to talk about? I do not. We've been talking for about, yes, Bob? I'd just like to point out that Captain Raymond Bates, Bates. Jr. Oh, yeah. wrote a book. It's uh, Shipwrecks North of Boston. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two volumes, and the second volume um, is uh, Shipwrecks of Cape Ann. Shipwrecks of Cape Ann. I believe right. the, the Historical Commission, us, we gave Captain Bates a preservation award. That's what I was thinking. Was it last year or the year before? Year before. The, year the year before. before um, to um, recognize the publication of his book. So right. Again, I'll plug wonderful. Captain Bates. It's a great book. Yeah. You should buy it. I think the Cape Ann Museum has it. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if any of our listeners have any anything they want to contribute on this subject, please be in touch with us or with 1623 Studios. And also, tell us what you would like us to talk about um, that relates to the history of Cape Ann. So for the Historical Commission, until next time, this we're signing off. <laughs> <laughs>